Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcon's Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back in the key studios in Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Monday evening. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the program. Watching the Braves right now. They're down one nothing here as Strider is in the, what inning is this? He's in the third inning. So see if the Braves can come back tonight. This is your night look, though. At all things Atlanta Falcons, it is the Falcons flyover. Yeah, Falcons uh, did make a couple of uh, promotions today in their front office. Um, This according to Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports. Uh, Atlanta has moved Kyle Smith up to assistant GM and Ryan Pace, the former Bears GM, to director of player personnel. Wasn't Ryan Smith fired because the Bears were not very good? Oh. Okay. Uh, says Smith has been with the Falcons since 2021 as vice president of player personnel, joining the club the same year, general uh, manager Terry Fontenot. He was previously with Washington from 2011 to 2020, moving from scout to vice president of player personnel in his last year with the team. Pace, the former Bears GM, joined the Falcons last year as a senior personnel executive. Pace and Fontenot worked together for many years with the Saints before Pace became Chicago's GM back in 2015. He compiled a 48 and 65 record with the Bears before he was fired after a 6 and 11 season. So, so again, I guess we'll sign more Bears players. Is that what we're going to do? That's that's what we can look forward to is having more Bears players signed, whatever like that. So, again, I whatever. I, I mean, I, I'll say it like this: I I like Kyle Smith. I think that's a good promotion. I ain't sold on Ryan Pace, though. Sorry. I, I just, I'm, I'm not sold. He didn't do nothing with the Bears. Obviously, you know, he was fired from that job. And not after, like, not after, like, a Thomas Dimitrov type of tenure. Wasn't there for 15 years or something like that. No, he was fired after a few years, and that was it. So, okay. He's our player personnel guy. A guy who couldn't get anything done with the Chicago Bears. All right. I mean, whatever. I mean, obviously, it's all on Terry Fontenot, but still, when you have the guys underneath you, that's kind of your, you know, that's kind of the backbone of all of this thing. Not just what Terry Fontenot does, but, you know, when you got your scouting department and all these different kinds of things, I mean, that's the real backbone of your of your franchise. But we'll see. Uh, again, you know, it is it is what it is on there. Now, this is a uh, vote. So um, this comes from Falcons Wire. Matt Urban uh, from Falcons Wire. I guess the Falcons Wire, which is basically the USA Today channel for the Atlanta Falcons, 
they did a fan vote, a fan poll, I should say, on ranking the final grades for offensive positions. Okay? Um, Day-Day, what do you think the quarterback position received as a grade from, from the fans for the Falcons? And they're grading letter, it like letter, letter grade. grade. Yep, oh, okay. letter, letter grade. So A B C D E F G H I J. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I like Ritter. I, I would, I would imagine they gave him a B, maybe even a B plus. Um, C. Really? So I think that there are lots of, you know, again, questions. I, I think the fan base, in some ways, I don't think they're necessarily completely split on this, but I, I think that there is enough of a division within the fan base about whether or not Ritter's going to be good or if he's just kind of a, you know, game manager, for lack of a better term, um, in it. What do you think they gave the running backs? Uh, uh, definitely a B-plus, maybe even an A. Yeah, they got an A. And yeah. actually, 90.64% voted A, 8.77 voted B, and 0.58% voted C. I, I don't know how you would vote C after yeah. we had a thousand yard rusher as a right. rookie, but and bring in a guy that is yeah. highly touted. Right. But real quick, back to your um, your thought and comment about the the quarterback and Ritter, and you said the fan base kind of not necessarily split, but maybe kind of a split. Wasn't that kind of how it was though with Ryan when we transitioned? Oh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I mean, look, I mean, nobody nobody knew anything about Matt Ryan when he came right. to Atlanta, right? I mean, no nobody knew. What what Matt Ryan was going mm-hmm. to become? Nobody really knew. I mean, yeah, some people had seen him at Boston College. I saw him play against Tech at the at Boston College, but I had no. How many people really watched right. Boston College games? Right, right. And and we were so convinced that it was going to be either Glenn Dorsey or somebody else that the Matt Ryan pick came out of nowhere. Right, right? just yeah. kind of, and especially third in the draft. It was right. like, wait, is Matt Ryan worth the number three overall draft pick? Mm-hmm. So. And again, when Matt Ryan was here, let's face it, there was a there was a faction of fans that were comparing him to Michael Vick, and didn't like him because he wasn't Michael right. Vick. I mean, let's let's be honest. Let let's speak truth. I mean, so there was always that uh, kind of element to it. All right, what do you think about wide receivers? Uh, I'd say they probably gave us. Uh, and and a by B. the way, they they split wide receivers from tight ends, so, so they're not so, so they're not so, in, so they're so not Kyle including Pitts wouldn't be in there. Yeah, so they're not including tight ends. They have a separate grade for the tight ends. So with Pitts not in there, I'd say a C. Um, B. Believe oh, okay. it or not, okay. And it was almost uh, almost a C. Forty six point six three percent B. Forty two point three three percent C. Okay. So it was pretty close. Um, you know, again, I think they're a C-level wide receiver group. Um, it's not a deep group. London probably brings them up, but it's not a very deep group. Now, how about the tight ends? Uh, B. Uh, a. Really? With, with Pitts and Jonu Smith. Okay. 68.35%, okay. 27.85%. How about left tackle? B. Close, but it was an A. Nice. 50%. Uh, gave Jake an A, 46% a B. Okay. I think Jake, Jake Matthews is a B-level tackle at this point of yeah. his career. I don't think he's an A-level tackle. Not yet. Um, left guard, which obviously mm. people are thinking that this will be Matthew Bergeron. Right. Um, with that thought process, I'm going to say low B. 
Um, well, they gave them a B. Um, so they don't do B plus, B minus. Right, right, right. Just, right. just A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But from a percentage standpoint, yeah. would it be uh, kind of low? 42.33% gave them a B. Okay. 36.13% um, had a C grade. How about center? This one surprises me a little bit. Oh, well, if it surprises you, I'm going to say they gave them an A. No, uh, that was only 6.41%. They gave they gave Drew Dahlman a B at 47.44. Oh, wow. okay. Now, it was close, 41.03% for C. I, 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 I would not give Dahlman a B grade at this point, but I'm a hater. Um, right guard, that should be pretty easy. That's A. Yeah. Uh, I, by the way, 86.49%. Uh, of people voted him an A grade. 11.49 said B, and 2.02% had C. Can I tell you, if you were in that, I don't know how many people were in this poll, but if you were one of those 2% people that gave, gave Chris Lindstrom a C grade, you should either have your, if you have season tickets, they should be taken away from you. If you ever want to go to a game again, they should bar you from entering Mercedes-Benz Stadium. You should never be allowed to go. You should be exiled to, you know, Macon or somewhere like that. If you voted Chris Lindstrom a C, who's the best football player on this team, make no mistake about it, Chris Lindstrom's the best football player on this team. If you gave him a C grade, you should have your fandom revoked. If you're one of those people that voted him as a C. And right tackle, what do you think? Uh, Caleb, uh, I'd say Caleb maybe might have got a, a B, high B. Yeah, he was uh, 60.93% uh, to 20 point, 29.14% um, B versus A. So, yeah, he gets a B grade. And, and that's a fair grade. I, I, yeah. think that's, I think that's fair for, for what the grade was on there. So, yeah. Um, I'm still just looking at how anybody could give Chris Lindstrom a C, who's literally the best football player um, on this team. But anyway. All right. Uh, Bill Barnwell from ESPN, ESPN.com. He ranks his, he ranks his uh, offensive uh, arsenals that he does. So this is quarterback, running back, pass catchers, right? So, running back, quarterback, pass catchers. He does his annual list. Now, the last two years, he's had the Falcons at, I had the number here, for the last two years, I think he had them, uh, I thought he had them at 20, like 24th and 27th over the last two years. Trying to see here, it doesn't say. Um, but I saw an art. I saw this earlier that I think he gave them twenty fourth and twenty seventh the last two years. All right, where do you think Bill Barnwell has quarterback, running back, pass catchers as far as best group of arsenals in the NFL? What where do you think he's got them number he, one? Uh, I was gonna say, is he doing one through thirty, one through yes. thirty two, right? Yes. So the uh, Texans the are thirty. I can tell you. Uh, spoiler alert, the Texans are 32nd. <laughs> um, Falcons, I would say he's probably got them 22, 23. So, believe it or not, he's got them in the top 10. Really? That's a first. 10. Yes. That's a first. So, he writes, uh, quote, when everyone's healthy, the Falcons will roll out a top 10 picket running back, wide receiver, and tight end. 
Uh, no team since the AFL-NFL merger in 1970 has had a top 10 homegrown player at those three positions at the same time. Um, and then they talk about, obviously, you know, Algier running for 1,000 yards last year. Uh, quote, Tyler Algier was exceptional in this offense last season, averaging 4.9 yards per carry and .7 rushing yards over expected per snap. So running back should not be an issue. The Falcons should have the league's best one-two punch at halfback if Robinson lives up to expectations. And obviously they talk about Desmond Ritter and all this good kind of stuff. Quote, London was targeted on a whopping 30.9% of his routes, the fourth highest rate in football, and averaged 2.3 yards per route run. Give London the route. Uh, give London the 573 routes Garrett Wilson ran for the Jets as opposed to the 379 London ran. His numbers uh, prorate to 109 catches for 1,309 yards. Well, okay, but that's a little bit of a misnomer because we are such a run-heavy team that if you become a very pass-heavy team, then those numbers will go down. I can promise you. Guys will focus in on him more. Guys will try to take him out. Again, if you become a pass-happy team, then those numbers will will flatten themselves out a little bit. But, again, we also had Kyle Pitts not, not be healthy, right? Cordero Patterson missed games last year. So you had some things at play that allowed London to be targeted more simply, if for nothing else, is because he played all season long. When we didn't have Kyle Pitts, at times we didn't have uh, Cordero Patterson. So... Algier was a rookie who was maybe not established as much as a pass catcher. So, again, when you don't have some of your offensive pieces, somebody's got – I mean, this is like the the argument for Harry Douglas. When Remember when um, Roddy and Julio were both out? Um, I forget what year that was, but it was like 20, 2012 or something like that. No, no, not 2012. That was the Super Bowl or, or the uh, NFC Championship year. What, whatever year it was, it was, it was, in, the, it was in the Mike Smith era. Roddy and Julio were both out, and Harry had a 1,000-yard season. Yeah, because when Matt Ryan's going to throw it 600 times, somebody's got to catch all those passes. I mean, again, when Matt Ryan's going to complete 400 of 600 passes, somebody's got to catch those passes. And in this situation, it was Harry Douglas, who had a 1,000-yard season. Again, I mean, if he's going to throw it that much, and that was our philosophy – yeah, somebody's got to either catch those passes or, you know, they're going to be the target for it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not surprised that he had 30% of the targets come his way simply because of the people that we had out. But, again, if you throw it, if you throw it that often, then teams are going to try to start taking you away. That's, again, those guys on the defensive side of the football get paid as well. So, I... I think that's I, – I understand what they're saying. And, yes, you know, when you prorate all the numbers and stuff like that, 109 catches, 1,309 yards. Look, I hope he has that much. That should be Kyle Pitts' numbers this year, right? How many times have I said that? Maybe Barnwell's listening to me. That should be Kyle Pitts' numbers. 109 catches, 1,309 yards. Because, again, you can't tell me that we're a unicorn and we're only 1,000 yards barely, you know, in a 17-game season with two touchdowns. That ain't going to cut it anymore. Either we have to have a difference maker or, again, it ends up being a pick that leaves you scratching your head. 
All right, Bet Boone, our Odyssey MLB insider, going to join us up next. Good conversation with him, Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, 1990 Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Monday evening after... A successful road trip to Cincinnati, one of the hottest teams in all of, maybe the hottest team in all of Major League Baseball, but the uh, Braves were able to win two out of three games. And let's talk to a guy who we've talked to before, and he, of course, played for both of those franchises. We're joined by Brett Boone on the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer, host of the Brett Boone podcast, an Odyssey original featuring the most notable names in MLB and around the sports world every week. Brett, as always, buddy, appreciate it. Thanks for a few minutes in Atlanta again this evening. You got it. My pleasure. You know, that was a fun series this weekend with, with Cincinnati in the Atlanta Braves. Do you think that the Braves have kind of clearly, you know, separated themselves from the rest of the National League? Do you think that they're the best team in the National League right now? Well, I'll tell you what. Coming out of spring training, we have our preseason. You know, we all get together. We study all the personnel and the rosters, and we come up with our picks. I I think the Braves is the best team, not only in the National League, in baseball. I think top to bottom, talent-wise, and I think this stage of the season, they haven't disappointed me yet. I mean, this is that, – that lineup only equaled maybe in all of baseball by uh, by the Texas Rangers, who's been a breakout team in the American League. But top to bottom, this team is tough, and you've got everybody healthy this year. Uh, you know, Albie's having a big year. Uh, Acuna you know, fully healthy now. 34 stolen bases. That's the thing That's the thing that really stands out. Olsen's got 25 homers. Riley's solid year. Pitching staff's been great second in the National League in pitching, and that's not even with your big guys in, in Kyle Wright and Max Fried. So uh, I, I can't find a negative when it comes to the Braves. Yes. Short answer to your question, I think the Braves are the class of the National League. You know, I'm, I'm going to get back to Ozzy in just a second, but you hit on something that I've talked a lot about on my show it's the depth of this lineup. I mean, there doesn't feel like that there are easy outs in the middle of this lineup. I mean, everybody's kind of contributing in some form or fashion. Even some of the guys that maybe aren't having their best seasons, it seems like everybody is doing something to help this lineup win a game every night. It is. I mean, there's there's no there's no rest period for that for that opposing pitcher even each given night. There's no downtime where oh I can get through the bottom half, you know, take a little breather with the seven, eight, nine hitter. No, not on this Braves team. You know, I, I I mentioned the Texas Rangers. They're very similar, top to bottom. There's just no rest for that opposing pitcher, and and that mentally wears on on your opponent. 
over time when, you know, you go into that pitcher's meeting before you have that three, four game set. And it's like, all right, well, we can get to this part of the lineup. And, you know, these, these three are kind of easy out. No, when you come to the Braves, it's like, there's nowhere to hide. So uh, they're going to be pretty formidable going forward. As, as we know now, baseball's changed over the years. Now we go to 12 playoff spots. The, the postseason is, you got to win four series to win the World Series, and, and it's a different dynamic, a little easier to get in the postseason, as in the past where 162 was really important. You had to grind it out, and only the best teams got to the postseason. Not the case anymore, but equally as tough to get to that, that, that World Series and win that World Series. So Braves are setting up uh, as good as anybody, and, and hopefully, you know, I haven't got really an update on Freed or Kyle Wright. Uh, I, I don't think they're coming back in the near future, but uh, – the fact that they're still doing it without those two two big guys in that rotation, especially a year ago, pretty impressive. Well, the good news is that Max Fried is now throwing bullpen sessions, so they expect him to maybe by maybe by the end of July that he will be back. Not too long after the All Star break, so fingers crossed that uh, that he does come back. But Brett, I want to ask you about Ozzy Albie's because you obviously were a great second baseman. What is it about Ozzy that makes him so good? You know, this was a guy that did not have a lot of power when he was down in the minor leagues and now he's a 30 home run second baseman. You know, is it a physical maturity? Is it something else? Like, like what, what makes a guy that wasn't necessarily a power hitting guy in the minors come up and develop into that kind of power hitter? Well, it, it's just not only is it the physical, but it's mental. It's, it's the, uh, it's the experience. You know, we all go through experience. I remember coming up through the minor leagues, and I was known as an offensive second baseman, you know, a guy that was going to hit 15 or 20 home runs. And I did that early in my career. All of a sudden, I hit 20, then I hit 25. Then the next thing you know, I, I had a couple years in the 30s. So it's something that comes with just experience, knowing yourself, knowing the, 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 the pitching. You know, once you get the, – the biggest fear we have as hitters, as, as, as big league established hitters is, when we don't know our opponent, you know, that young guy comes up from AAA. He's got a lot of fanfare, but we don't have a lot on him. You know, we don't have a lot of video. It's almost nicer to go into a situation where I had to face a Roger Clemens or a Pedro Martinez, because at least I know what I'm getting. The unknown is the biggest thing. That's the, I equate that to being a young hitter in the big leagues. We haven't seen these guys, but once you get around the league a few times now, you know, an Albies goes into an opposing stadium. He knows that rotation. He knows those guys. He's got a little history. So it's a maturation process. Process, Yes, physically you mature as time goes on uh, and, and you grow into it. But, it, but it's, more, it's more the experience and the technique. So I, I just looked him up and I'm thinking, you know, I know he was hitting some home runs this year, but having 18, possibly 20 at the All-Star break, that's a big number. So uh, pretty impressive that you're getting that from him. You knew he was going to give you power. But to be on pace for close to – to 40 home runs. I didn't expect that out of him. He's doing a great job. And Olsen's just blowing up. He's a guy only – I had Olsen when he was an A-ball. I, I worked for the A's. I was a special assistant. I spent a lot of time with those young A's. And there was a, a – uh, Matt Chapman was the third baseman. Olsen was the first baseman. And from from that day, I knew this kid is special and one day might be one of those 50 home run guys. I don't say that lightly because 50 is a lot. Uh, but he's he's definitely shown he's got that potential. Brett Boone, host of the Brett Boone Podcast and Odyssey Original, joining me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You talk about evolutions in the game. Isn't it kind of crazy now that, you know, we see shortstops and second basemen 
be 20, 30, 40 home run types of guys. I mean, you know, I grew up in an era that, you know, again, it was the Mark Belangers and the Dwayne Kuypers uh, of right, the world. Right. Where, you know, I mean, it was it was those kind of, you know, one homer, no homer guys, hit 220, but play really good defense. Now you see these guys that can mash their outstanding defensive players. I mean, that seems like one of the big evolutions of baseball is just the play of middle infielders over about the last 30, 40 years. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Even when I came into the game and, and throughout my career, it was, you know, myself, Robbie Alomar, uh, Craig Biggio, uh, uh, Jeff Kent. You know, we were 5'10". Maybe the, the bigger guys in the middle were six foot. Uh, Cal Ripken, I remember when I first came into the game, he was an anomaly, how big he was playing shortstop. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, he'd just be a, a run-of-the-mill shortstop, you know. These guys are getting bigger. They're getting stronger. I walk into a locker room. I see a guy like D.J. LeMayhew for the Yankees playing second base. And I'm figuring, you know, D.J.'s a big guy. I stand next to him. This guy's 6'4". <laughs> and, you know, that was unheard of in my day. Like I said, it was myself. It was the out. We, we were these 5'10", compact guys that played the middle, you know, because we had to be – that that was kind of what was written on, yeah, middle infielders, you're sick, you're a slick fielder, and, you know, you're not – you're not the taller guys. The taller guys have a problem. Not anymore. You know, it's just it's loaded. That middle infield, it seems like where all the talent is. And uh, they're, they're a lot of fun to watch. The athleticism in the game uh, has come so far just in the last 20 years. You know, I remember being really critical of middle infielders being a middle infielder. So I guess I had a little bias as a player. But defensively, I would really... You know, there's not too many guys that put on a pedestal as being elite defenders. I watched the game today, and there's elite defenders all over the infield, and and not just one or two here and there. There's a lot more. The physicality is getting better in the game, like you said, the evolution of the game. But it's pretty pretty cool to see how these shortstops have turned into they're beasts. I mean, they're big and strong and hit 40 home runs and and steal bases. Uh, a lot of fun to watch. I think it's cool. You mentioned about Ronald Acuna Jr. and the 35 stolen bases that he's got this year. I mean, oh, he's got 35. That's right. He got yeah, one last night. Yeah, absolutely. And, and look, I, Brett, I I really think that this is one of the things that is great about the, some of the rule changes this year is that we're seeing an increase in stolen base attempts. And I love that aspect of the game. Again, you know, I watch those Cardinal teams and and such. I mean, with the Vince Coleman's and the Willie McGee's and the Tom Hurst and the Ozzie Smith. Right. I mean, just watching those teams. And look, I've always talked about the one of the one of the things that the Braves I thought didn't at times utilize enough of is their speed. But when you look at Ronnie and Ozzy and Michael Harris, I mean, the Braves have a lot of team speed, and I think they do a really effective job here these last couple of years of not only with the stolen base attempts, but you know, going from first to third. You know, a ball that hits at the wall and the guy's on first, they can score runs. I mean, that that. That that weapon is just, I think, not utilized enough in all of baseball. I, I think, you know, I was just asked about this recently, and I went into this offseason, I heard the rule changes, and and the mind that I have, and I, I, you know, I hesitate to say old school, but I'm a purist when it comes to the game. Less change for me is always better. You know, I, I don't like change of the game. It's the greatest game in the world, in my opinion, for a reason, and less is better. So this offseason, you know, I heard about the pitch clock and, and the, the the pitcher can disengage twice. And I thought, well, that's crazy because it's going to give, and it does, it gives the base stealer, especially the elite base stealers, a huge edge. And I was kind of skeptical going in, but I went into it with an open mind. I'm really kind of 
I'm surprised that I'm satisfied with the product. I think it's a better product because of the, the rules that were implemented this year. Uh, I think it's a swifter game. I think the fans really like it, which is probably in the end is the most important thing. But I think we got a little lack, lackadaisical as an organization. When I say organization, I, I mean Major League Baseball as taking our time, being lethargic. Now the guys know they got to get in the box. They got to be ready to go. And I think as a result of that, just organically, there's a lot more action. There's a lot more balls being put in play because you got to be ready. You got to be in the box. Pitchers got to be ready to go. And I think that's just organically because of that more balls are getting put in play because of the rules with the pitchers. More people are uh, stealing second base or attempting to steal second base. I think that's what the rules were designed to do is to just incentivize guys to start running more and getting back to those St. Louis Cardinals you were talking about. There were some great teams and fun teams. So I think it's been nothing but a home run all around for baseball, these new rules. And and, uh, I was the biggest skeptic, and I was wrong. I'm pleasantly surprised. Brett, last question for you. You know, I, I want to get your thoughts about this because, again, you, you mentioned about being an old-school guy, and you also mentioned about working with Matt Olson when he was in, in single-A baseball. You know, I, I look at this Oakland A situation, and it's really frustrating and disheartening, whether it's Rob Manfred and his comments, whether it's the A's ownership. Baseball should be in Oakland. I mean, you know, again, in my Without lifetime, I mean, you know, the 70s Oakland A's, the 80s Oakland A's with the Ricky Hendersons, obviously, you know, the Mulder, Zito, Hudson era, Jose Canseco and Mark. I mean, baseball should be in Oakland. And this has been one of the great franchises in American League history. How has it gone so wrong that now we're looking at them being in Oak or not out of Oakland, but now being in La- in the Las Vegas? How have things gone so wrong for what has been one of the great stalwart franchises of the American League? Well, you mentioned it, you know, the seventies when they were back to back and the catfish hunters and, and, uh, uh, you know, Reggie Jackson in the middle of that lineup, um, Gaylord Perry, I believe now, maybe not Gaylord Perry. I'm, I'm trying to think who's the, the gentleman that passed away. Vita blue, the great Vita blue yeah. who we lost here recently, those games. And then fast forward to your right, the Bash brothers era. Uh, where they won a World Series with Canseco, McGuire, Ricky, Eckersley, you know, Dave Stewart. And then fast forward once again to to my era, the early 2000s, and going in and seeing Hudson, Zito, Mulder. The A's are a storied franchise, like you say. They've got a lot of history. Uh, it would be a shame for them to leave the Oakland area and go to, to a Las Vegas. I think Las Vegas eventually is going to be the home of another major league franchise. I think when the expansion comes, Vegas is definitely going to be there. I hope, and I know they're signing the papers and the landsmen have, you know, agreed on and all that, but I hope at the end something happens where they find a way to get it built in Oakland. And whether they, the ownership's got to change, well, then the ownership's got to change. But it would be a shame for them to leave Oakland. I think what happened, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, I'm not sure of the facts here, but what I'm hearing is 20, 25 years ago, Oakland did have the rights to San Jose if they were going to expand and build a stadium. I think since then, something happened. There was a negotiation, and the San Francisco Giants ended up having rights to that San Jose property. So now Oakland's thinking, we'll go to San Jose, and the Giants are going, oh, no, you won't. That's our property now. That's our fan base. So I, I think that's a, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of red tape on whose who's fan base is who. The, the Giants have a say in a lot of Oakland's moves. But I, I think for the good of the game, they got to get something done in the city of Oakland. They need a new stadium. That Coliseum, when I first broke into the league, was a beautiful stadium. It was open air. It was almost like a Dodger stadium looking out, 
you know, beyond center field. But once they closed it in, they made it for football and baseball friendly. It's just not one of the the nicest parks. Fans don't like going to the stadium. As a hitter, I liked hitting there. But, but that doesn't matter when you're talking about getting butts in the seats. They want to go to that new state-of-the-art stadium because the majority of the big leagues, with the exception of Oakland and Tampa Bay, do have that brand-new fancy bells and whistles stadium. I think that's the future of baseball. I think that's that's really not the future, but the current climate in baseball. Stadium equals people come revenue. Uh, same with the NFL, and and I think that's the formula. You got to have that new stadium to attract the fans. So I hope something gets worked out. I hope they don't go to Vegas. Like I said, Vegas is going to have a franchise, whether it's the Oakland A's or or an expansion team in the coming years. But I, I'd love to see the Oakland A's stay in Oakland yeah. because right now it, it's it's pathetic right now. Yeah. You know that's a Triple A team. Yep. Uh, they don't pay, and and I'm thinking too with Oakland what they're doing and their payroll is so low. Is there something that needs to be addressed in the future? I know there's a, there's not a cap in Major League Baseball, but you go through a threshold and there's a luxury tax. Should there be a luxury tax if you don't pay enough? I think that needs to be addressed with the with the state of the Oakland A's right now and how low that payroll is. That needs to be addressed. Is there a bottom as well as a, as a ceiling? Yeah, and and we saw you know when that floor came in, you know that the idea of when the Montreal Expos were about to move to Washington, right? I mean, we saw that all of a sudden you started dumping payroll, and you know again at some point you have to have a floor, I believe. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna penalize teams for overspending, you should penalize them for you know underspending uh, as well. But that's a discussion for another day. Brett Boone is the host of the Brett Boone Podcast, an Odyssey original. Make sure you follow the Brett Boone Podcast on Odyssey, on the Odyssey app wherever you subscribe to get your podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at TheBoone29. And he joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Brett, as always, appreciate the time, buddy. Thanks uh, for a few minutes here in Atlanta. We will certainly chat again soon. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks. You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out at the Kia Studios Monday night with you. 404-726-0929, 404-726-0929. Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Braves and uh, Twins sit at 1-1 right now, so top of the sixth inning for um, Spencer Strider. He's five and two-thirds of the way through, uh, three hits, one run, Nine strikeouts. He, the only mistake he gave was uh, Joey Gallo, a uh, home run ball, but 79 pitches. So, again, Strider probably will get through six, barely over 80 pitches, and let's see if he comes out for the seventh inning. No no real reason to, you know, again, he made one mistake to Joey Gallo. Other than that, he's been outstanding 
uh, tonight. Just a, just a couple of hits besides the home run and nine strikeouts through five and two-thirds innings. So we'll see. Sonny Gray's been up to the task as well. He's got five innings, five hits, a run, four strikeouts, and a walk. He's got 78 pitches. So good pitching matchup. Sonny Gray uh, with a 251 ERA. Strider now at 379 for his ERA. So let's see if Strider gets through this pretty quickly here and then um, see if he comes out for the seventh inning. And, again, if Strider's going to roll right along, then leave him in the game. Sorry. I mean, I mean, he's only at 80. He's right now at 82 pitches with uh, a couple of strikes. So let's say he goes 85 pitches. Leave him in. Leave him in. At least give him a chance to start the seventh because, again, with all due respect, probably better than any bullpen arm that you can bring out there. So just let him go out in the seventh. If he gets in trouble, get somebody up and, you know, just go from there. So we'll see what uh, what happens here. But uh, anyway, Strider uh, gets out of the inning. So, again, six innings, 1-1 Braves. Um, LSU and Florida. LSU is hammering the Florida Gators right now. It is now 9-2 in the uh, top of the uh, fourth inning, 9-2. The uh, LSU Tigers got six in the second, three here in the fourth, and uh, the Florida Gators got a couple of runs in the bottom of of the first. But um, um, looks like LSU may end up winning the uh, College World Series. They're up 9-2 right now, so we'll see if Florida's got any kind of comeback uh, in all of that. So, uh, we'll keep up to date on both games as they roll along here. Obviously, Florida and LSU playing for the college national championship. And, again, all SEC. What, South Carolina, wasn't it a few years ago that they won back-to-back championships in the SEC? So, obviously, the SEC, a really good basketball – or, sorry, a baseball, a very good baseball uh, conference as well. Not just football, but certainly a very good, um, a very good baseball conference. All right, let's get to something that we call What's Bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. So, NFL quarterback A.A. Ron was at a um, conference that was put on by the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies. It's the largest U.S. advocacy group, and it took place months after Colorado voters decided to join Oregon in decriminalizing psychedelic mushrooms. Quote from Aaron Rodgers. Is it not ironic that the things that actually expand your mind are illegal and the things that keep you in the lower chakras and dumb you down have been legal for centuries? Now, again, he's talked about taking this, uh, what is it called, the uh, ayahuasca? Okay, here are some of the things that you get with ayahuasca. Okay, quote, Those who drink ayahuasca report seeing shapes and colors and going on dreamlike journeys that can last several hours. Some say they can encounter dead relatives as well as friends and an assortment of spirits who talk to them. Cuckoo, cuckoo, sorry. 
I had something caught in my throat. Cuckoo. And again, he's talked about doing this himself. Um, he said it's been radically life-changing. Um, he's talked to several of his teammates about it. The response from other people in the sports industry has been incredible. To see basketball players and baseball players and surfers and entertainers and my own teammates and colleagues across the league reach out and either share their story about their own medicine journey or ask about or ask to be a part of an upcoming one was pretty special. Yeah, again, everybody's looking for a release, right? Uh, ayahuasca is defined as a psychoactive beverage native to South America and is often used for religious, ritualistic, or medicinal purposes. He also, Aaron, called out the bums who have criticized him after he discussed his experiences. Quote, because I guarantee I guarantee you all these bums who want to come after me online about my experience and stuff, they've never tried it. Yeah, because we don't want to have our brain freaking fried. I don't want to see dead spirits and shapes and colors. I don't need psycho psychoactive drugs. Smoking mushrooms or whatever. No thanks. I I again, I'm I'm good over here. Hey, put me in the good over here category of not having psychotropic mushrooms that I'm ingesting. <sighs> he added that his uh, success on the football field after using ayahuasca after the 2019 season makes uh, season makes it hard to dismiss his views. You know, it's going to be a hard it's going to be hard to cancel me because you know, the previous year, 26 touchdowns, four interceptions, we had a good season. Ayahuasca, 48 touchdowns, five interceptions, MVP. What are you going to say? That you're cuckoo, cuckoo. That's what I'm going to say. Again, maybe it's the dead maybe it's the dead spirit of Brett Favre and Bart Starr. Oh, those guys aren't dead. Oh, okay. Rogers 39 said he wants to change the conversation by dispelling these archaic myths about the dangers of psychedelics or the negative side effects and start to share the actual wisdom and truth about it. He said he believes the way to, quote, move the conversation forward, unquote, is for others to be comfortable to discuss their own experiences. Yes, let's all talk about our experiences inhaling mushrooms or doing psychotropic drugs or... Yes, let's talk about experiences having conversations with dead relatives and friends and seeing shapes and colors. They say surveyors of tea drinkers have reported the most experienced a range of physical and mental effects after drinking ayahuasca. The most common physical reaction, according to the study uh, by the PLOS Global Health, was vomiting or nausea. <laughs> yeah, because that's what happens when you get high and drunk. You start vomiting and puking. No thanks. I don't need to talk to dead relatives and start hucking it up. 
Sorry. Put me in the good over here category. Let's see. I know what I'll do on a Saturday night. I'll inhale some mushrooms, drink this drink, talk to dead relatives, and start vomiting. Gee, gee, honey, sign me up for that. That sounds like a fun Saturday night. That was when I was 22 when I did all that. At 51, no thanks. A majority of the participants also reported seeing and hearing things, feeling alone, or having nightmares. Sign me up. Let's talk to dead relatives, heave, and and be depressed, and have nightmares. Sounds like a great night. Sounds like all the fun in the world. Though almost all those reporting mental effects felt that they were beneficial to their growth. How is it beneficial to vomit and talk to dead people and have nightmares? (laughs) But I'm better. I feel better now. (sighs) According to the study, 2.3% of those surveyed reported needing medical attention after taking ayahuasca. (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, uh, listen, whatever works for A.A. Ron, right? Uh, what I mean, you know, the retreats, the uh, what was what was the thing he was in the 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 yeah the dark bunker? cave or whatever yeah, the, the, the yeah. dark cave bunker his darkness retreat yeah darkness dark, retreat. Yeah, darkness retreat yes whatever works, man. I mean, it's not like he's got any God given ability or anything like that, right? To play football, right? It's all because of psychotropic drugs and, you know, hallucinations and everything like that. What's he talking to, the ghost of Jerry Kramer? Or, I mean, sorry, I mean, again, you know, whatever works for you, okay? I'm not I'm not so sure, though, that we need to make this, make this a nationwide, let's get, you know, high on our drinks and mushrooms type of deal, you know? Because let me tell you what ends up filtering down. You know when I started drinking alcohol? 19, 18, 17. 18? 17. 17? I'm just throwing a number out there. I was try, 18. Try harder. 15. 15? Okay. Go ahead. Am I going the wrong way? You're going the right way. <laughs> really? Yes. I was 13, 13 when I started drinking. Wow. My buddy, my buddy Frank Manello, we lived on Lake Cable. Mm. Frank Manello would bring his grandma made it. I was with a name like Manello, right? Right. You know, good Italian. Yeah. His grandparents made homemade wine. Oh, yeah. He brought homemade wine over, and we would go out on the pontoon boat and get blasted at 13 (laughs) after school. Guess what happens? Things filter down to kids. I don't want my daughter to get into ayahuasca and see dead relatives and vomit and have nightmares. No thanks. I'm good over here. Let's just stay where we're at. Let's get some more research on all of this before we start getting South American cocktails that are you know that are that are you know made from hallucinogenic chemical. Oh my God! A.A. Ron sounds like he's on hallucinogenic mushrooms or something. That's a fucking chuckery. Top of the hour. This Braves offense is rolling. I'll give you some of the historical numbers that they may be 
approaching when all is said and done. Chuck Green, the Key Studios, Sports Radio, and after the game, Odyssey.com app.